doesn't even hurt anymore. Yeah. It's Thanks, like Patrick. It's like baby claps. Baby claps. <laughs> Brought to you by Patrick. <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 98 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the Game Dev Comedy Podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the robomancer. I'm Sam, and I make art. Nice. Sometimes. I mean, we've been practicing titles. I'm, I think I might have settled on one finally. Robomancer is good. 98 different titles throughout the podcast history. Finally, this is like maybe the one. noticed the most from mine. Yeah, noticed, that's good. Noticed, but, but do you program in Node? Because it's a little confusing. Oh, that's true. Uh, that's true. We'll have to, we'll have to work on that. Because there's there one episode where I think we were both Node-related <laughs> job <Yeah>. descriptions. Because <laughs> you use Nodes, but you program with Nodes. Right. It's hard. But they're actually different kinds of Nodes. They're different kinds of Nodes. Mm. Wait, before we get too deep... Today's May 16th, 2017, and we're, there's going to be swearing on this show, so stop listening. Remember, there's swearing is caring. Mm-hmm. Swearing is caring. Uh, I had to get that in there before before, before swearing cared. Before F, D, and S bombs started flying <laughs> all over the place. What's a D bomb? I don't, I don't know. Just I just find out. There's a handful of Ds. Yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of Ds. A handful of Ds. <laughs> Podcast. All right. right. So we got some news this week, folks. What's up? For starters, a week from this Friday, also known as May 26th, that's not this Friday, that's also the, that's known the as next Friday. Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Also known as uh, Empire Strikes Back Day. Empire Strikes Back Day. That's not true, I just made that up. Empire Strikes <laughs> Back Day is May 26th. Back Day. And uh, we have the Shenana Jam coming up. It's the Butterscotch Shenana Jam. It's Game Jam. It's going to be 48 hours of just pure chaos. Yeah. Where uh, we're going to put out a theme, which is going to be one of our old podcast titles. Mm -hmm. Um, Or rather, you can just hit a random generator and it'll hand you a random uh, podcast title. I do have to remember to turn that on. Otherwise, that won't Yeah, we got to remember to turn that on. Uh, And we have 156 entrants so far. So we've surpassed our goal. pretty good. Of of 13. So (laughs) Uh, we have not. I'm curious what the rate is of of people signing up that will actually do it. 2x and we haven't yet hopefully it's 2x but we haven't yet actually emailed any of those people to be i guess to send them encouraging you know notes and be like hey this is a very this is a great decision that you have made i think it works like a kickstarter where it's kind of like flat you know in the middle and then toward the jam all of a sudden everybody donates a hundred thousand dollars that'd be nice sounds good yeah Yeah. so we should do this more often Uh, yeah, so that's, so that's an, it's a video game making event. If you've ever thought about making video games and you've never, you know, never taken the plunge, now is the time. Or if you haven't thought about it and just want to do something cool. It is a super cool thing to do. Yeah, yeah. really you should just do it, even if you don't want to, Mm -hmm. you know? So just go to podcast.bscotch.net. We've got a link there. Just click on the giant text that says Butterscotch Shenana Jam. Yeah. And that'll have all the details. And we even have recommendations there about tools to use, um, for especially for non-programmers or non-artists or or whatever. And grab a buddy. No grammars, artists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grab a friend. Do some NART over the weekend. Yeah, do some no grammars. And we also have a couple uh, questions from our community about the shenanigans. Wait, hold on, though. What? Isn't there also a Discord channel they could go to? Yes. And that's How linked, do I get there? That's linked to on the, uh, oh, you mean through the, the general Butterscotch community Discord? No, the one for the, the shenanigans jam. Oh, I mean, it's the same thing. Well, it's the same thing. It's yeah. a bit.ly slash BS Discord. Nice. So get on get on in there. Go there. Talk to other jammers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got some questions from the community as well about the Shenanigans Jam. So we hit that. All right. We got uh, These questions come from podcast.bscatch.net as well. Uh, first question comes from Ten Neon, who says, if a game jam is an event where someone makes a game in a very short period of time, what would a game jelly be? Mm. What's the what? difference between jam and jelly? I think... Jam doesn't doesn't jam have pectin in it or something yes. so that it gets all solid and yeah. Well, I think stuff. I think I I would more. think that like so, a game so jelly is runnier. Well, is runnier, if a right? game jam is where you make a game over a weekend, a game jelly would be when you don't make a game over a weekend and you are just envious of all the people who did. Uh, <laughs> good. So all of you who are listening who don't participate. You're, doing a, you're be, doing a game jelly. You're going to get yeah. coded in game jelly yeah. after Memorial nice. Day weekend. That's right. All right, cool. Good All one. right, so next question comes from Darth Ewok 99 who says, Hey, guys, hey. anything anything we should be doing to prepare for the shenanigans jam? Can Ewoks be Sith? Yeah. 
Okay. Anybody can. Cool. They're, they're an equal opportunity sort Murderer. of murderers. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing to do before the jam is to, uh, if you want, uh, find a buddy, for one, because working with with just one person even um, really, it makes it a lot more fun. And the next thing to do would be to join the community Discord because there's actually tons of people chatting in there and sharing practice things that they're doing right that now. That might so, even be the first thing you should do because you might find a buddy in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so a few people are practicing art. Some people are practicing code. There's doing tutorials, that sort of thing. Um, I think someone just posted a game that they made in a day a couple yep. days ago. Yep. So there's we'll a lot of inspiration platform. actually. People are getting pretty there. revved up. Yeah, everyone's getting hyped. So uh, pop in there and get some inspiration, and then pick a platform, or sorry, pick an engine of choice, uh, whether that's Game Maker or uh, Unity or Unreal, if you want everything to look very shiny. Um, Cocos 2D. Cocos 2D. Which I have heard of. If you don't really want to make much. Yeah. Yep. yep so cool. we highly recommend <laughs> if you're going if you're going 2D that you go with Game Maker. Um, it's just the best one. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah. You can disagree, but you're wrong. And then when yep. it comes to uh, 3D, both Unity and Unreal are fantastic. Um, but the, the whole point is pick an engine before the weekend and then play around in it because they are their own software programs. It's not just about coding it or you know putting the art assets in. You need to know where to go within that engine to put those things together. So mm -hmm. uh, do a quick tutorial. Most of them have tutorials, intro tutorials that are between like an hour and four hours long. So literally, if you do just even just one of those before the jam starts, you'll be essentially ready to go. But really, you should uh, do as many as possible. To, also, to get yourself in the in the right in the mood. mood. Yeah. 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 And I think probably to like really get in the mood, you should probably stop um, sleeping mm. and just like stop paying attention to your family, your loved ones. Yeah. Uh, stop mm -hmm. talking mm -hmm. to your friends. Although what we did tell Definitely. you last week was to do none of these things so that you can do well, them no, that's, during that's the jam. That's during the jam. Yeah. During the oh, jam, gotcha, okay. you, during the jam, you should get a good eight hours of sleep, be healthy. But leading up to the jam, obviously you quit your job, allow your life to go to shambles <laughs> okay, and all gotcha. that stuff. Yeah. Burn your house down. Yeah. Cause you got to prepare. Right. Um, and then final question about the Shenanah Jam comes from Retro Banana Man NL. That's good. Who says... What is the NL? Is this like a Nintendo... It's like a NX suffix? Uh, yeah. NL. Non-licensed. Non non-lethal. So probably lost lost his banana license. Uh, which is probably why he's a Retro Banana Man. Because right, so he used like to be a copyright man, or something. But his license was revoked. <laughs> <Yeah>. So... <laughs> uh, Retro Banana Man NL says, If you sign up for the Shenanah Jam, and it appears that you don't have time because... Something happens. Is it a problem uh, that you don't create a game or do we need to let somebody know or, or, or that we can't make it or what's the deal? Nah, man. This, no, is, this, this isn't school. Yeah, if you can't make you it. You either achieve things or you don't. If that's you can't all. make it, then you're just doing a game jelly and that's fine. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know. So so there's no pressure. You just sign up and then do it if you can. Mm -hmm. Cool. But you if you can't, the only person you've let down is yourself. That's true. Yeah. Also us. Well, and everyone who and cares about else. you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, so let's move on to the remainder of the news. Sam, huh. you have a sleeping story. Okay, so I have shingles still. Yeah. Um. Well, there those are gone. It's but the gift now that you, keeps on giving. Now all yeah. now all you have is excruciating, constant pain. Yeah. So it has sort of it's sort of transitioned in the last week from being just straight raw pain to uh that sort of that sort of died down quite a bit. But now there's this sort of really intense itch feeling that occasionally just like just stabs in there underneath the skin. There's nothing really going on on the skin. It's just this nerve thing happening. So uh, what this has ended up doing is it makes me toss and turn a shitload while I'm sleeping. This is the this is the preamble to the story because mm. uh, last night I tossed and turned onto the wrong side because I found if I sleep on the side that my shingles are on, for some reason the pressure of the bed like pushing on it somehow helps counteract it yeah. itching like a motherfucker. So, mm, uh, yes. so at some point I wake up and I'm on the wrong side. I'd, I'd sort of flipped over and I was facing Diana. And so I, without sort of, you know, being awake, I don't have my eyes open or anything, I fling my arm over to, like, to do a push-up to flip myself over and just karate chop Diana right in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> and she wakes up, she's like, ah! <laughs> she's like, what happened? Um, and then I'm just like, sorry. <laughs> and then she just fell asleep. Me. I was going to say, she just pretended like nothing happened. Be like, what are you talking wait, about? Wait, wait, wait. You ever have those dreams <laughs> where it's like something happens in a dream that kind of times times itself to match with something that's happening in the yeah. world? Right? So like your alarm is going off and then in the mm -hmm. dream there's also a sound. 
I wonder if that happened in her dream. She Maybe. was already being karate chopped in the neck anyway <laughs> in her dream. <laughs> it was real. <laughs> it was what real. I was wondering about that is, does your brain go back and just retcon the dream? Oh, definitely, yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah, because your brain's always trying to make sense of what's going on, and it just feels... It just so when you wake up, and you're wants. like, I remember in my dream that this happened lined up like that right. but really your brain just made that shit up but really like you were so like diana was in a, in her dream just having a conversation with somebody and then inexplicably that person just cried chopped <laughs> in the neck my favorite part my favorite part is is that when we woke up this morning we're chatting for a bit and then making coffee and stuff and she's like you know i just haven't been sleeping well these last couple days <laughs> and you're just like, like that's she, weird did she remember that <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I reminded her of it we, right when we first woke up but i was like i've been tossing and turning like crazy this is the first time i cried chopped her but but i mean as far as you know as far as i know she's like i have a stiff neck it's weird i got a black eye i don't Nose I have lots broken. of I have lots of sort of edge of hand shaped bruises all over my body. Yeah, it's, uh, it's maybe I got a condition or something. <laughs> Anyways, that's my story. Well, damn. Yeah. Okay. So also this weekend, uh, Adam got the pod bot working. I did. So this is part Actually, of your not this week. Well, it was working on Friday, but then was misbehaving. Yeah. So I had to murder it. So this is this is part of your robo man thing. Yeah. So basically, Adam spends his days summoning robots. Trying mm-hmm. to train them and then murdering them if they don't comply. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So what's the? It's a, it's a very intense training. Regimen. So the, <laughs> so the pod bot is is our attempt to make it so that we can record these podcasts mm-hmm. and then automatically through the power of Robomancy mm-hmm. have them be put together into a video format and then uploaded onto our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Correct. Without us having to actually do Any anything manually. You don't have time for that. We don't have time for that, but we do have time to raise an army, raise an army of robots over a couple weeks. And, and and I guess this has kind of two parts of the idea. So one is making videos just takes fucking forever. It takes Mm -hmm. hours to create, you know, long videos of about, I guess of an hour in length. So it's almost a one-to-one computational time. So it's just horribly slow and terrible. It doesn't always work. Um, And so we needed some way to do it and just not have to think about it. Cause otherwise somebody in the studio would have to be like, all right, let me go find all the parts let me turn it on it's kind of like doing let laundry me check back. it's like doing you laundry know, you, you, yeah. you put it in there and then you're like oh shit i gotta remember to come back here right. in an hour right. and then you have to go upload it which then takes another it's 20 minutes a lot of mental overhead and it's gotta get processed and you gotta come in and be like let me set it to public now after i test listening to it because i might have fucked it up because i did mm-hmm. it manually you know so the real world equivalent would be like if every day when you like take your pants off at the end of the day then when you wake up the next morning they're already washed and folded and back in your right because of your robot the robot army went and did that for you and they always do it right yeah. which is a bonus you know i wonder because there's all that all those myths about summoning demons and stuff right mm-hmm. and demons are usually supposed to be they're used for a very particular purpose but as many times as you've had to stop and start and sort of completely met botched things with these mm-hmm. robots I wonder if it's a similar situation with the demons of the past where people just weren't doing it right. Well, it, yeah. well the thing is, like, you need to do it a few times to figure out, you know, how it works, what what particular, you know, counter curses to employ before mm-hmm. the demons come. Uh, and I wonder if just because there's a lot of fatalities involved there that that art form, you know, wasn't able to. It didn't really, really progress. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's too high a cost. And then, then we have this extra yeah. problem, too, because there's all these. There's all these demons that are just kind of out there now, mm-hmm. you know, like that chocolate, that demons, chocolate demon, torso demons. Yep. Yeah. It's like they're, they got nothing to do. They're just doing their job, you right. know, cause probably a thousand years ago, some deep, some demon mancer, mm-hmm. some kind of warlock was like, mm-hmm. I want some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a demon that make, just gets me chocolate. I'm going to make this demon. And the problem is he, he summoned the demon and then he died in a landslide of chocolate. Yeah. You know, cause he, he well, it could have been that he just, he sort of, you know, messed up the summoning such that the demon just gets chocolate and, and gives it to anybody. Yeah. And just puts, puts it in, it in pockets. pockets. It's sort of like, yeah. this is probably how Santa Claus also got started. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Santa, the Santa demon. Someone was like, I want an action figure. And then boom. Now all of a sudden. <laughs> You got Santa Claus. Now you yeah. got Santa Claus. Man, that's, that's how you get over the year. It builds up resources so that it can then go now spend them on the entire right. world. Well, so I, I've been thinking about this with your just with all your robots you've been summoning and then killing, mm-hmm. and you know it's it sounds very similar to a lot of the old magic. Yeah, well, of actually, the past. if you're when you're making like on on Linux, when you make a program and then push into the background just to go run and do its thing, you call it a demon. Yeah. Mm. So, D-A-E. D-A-E, but it's still a demon. It's a demon. And so you have to, you demonize it when you put I've it. Always, like, I've always felt like demon. programming is actually a lot like, it's a lot like magic. It is, yeah. Like if you can think is. about like. You're, you're creating universes. Well, and, and you have, you have a special language that you use to yeah. do it, right? It's like, it's like casting a spell. Yeah. And if yeah. you mess up one letter, 
Then everything. Then everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, yeah, really surprising. Yeah, and of course, that. like to to the layperson, it looks like incomprehensible gibberish. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and and you can like use it to build universes mm-hmm. and to summon and as demons. an apprentice, <laughs> it's just highly likely as an apprentice that you'll just like blow up everything. I mean, yep. Andy's first like week, he, just, <laughs> right, nuked he actually completely nuked his computer. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, you gotta it's be careful. Dangerous. You know. I mean, program is just modern day magic. Yeah. Just be just wizard wizardry. Mm-hmm. So that. Is happening. Yeah, so that's happening. So the, so the pod bot's just chugging away. It's raising minion armies that are now off processing all of our videos and uploading to YouTube. It's all happening, you know, mm-hmm. um, in parallel. So we don't have to, we just don't have to deal with these hours and hours of, of work anymore. So just the pod bot now sits there, just hanging out, being a demon, watching, watching our, uh, our SoundCloud RSS feed. Anytime with its, something new <laughs> pops up with its lies, with its cold, dead demon with its eyes, cold, dead demon eyes. And then anytime a new one pops, a new one appears, it then spawns a minion. And that minion goes and downloads it and processes it and turns Wait. it into a video and then uploads it to YouTube and then kills itself. Wait, so you made a demon that <laughs> summons other demons? Yeah. Well, a, they're lesser so demons. Wait, so it no, summons, no, they're actually greater demons. No, they summons greater demons. It summons me-seeks. Yeah. That basically. live to serve one purpose That's and exactly then right. they kill themselves. <laughs> That's exactly right. So His existence is pain to a like minion. Me-seeks herder. Yeah. So basically you've made a demon that summons me-seeks. That's right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty, basically because cool. it, it costs basically no computational anything just to like sit there and watch a RSS feed, right? So yeah. It just doesn't cost anything. But to process video requires a lot of computational resources. So there's no point in wasting computational resources on the on the demon summoner. That's right. The demon that also summons demons. Right. Uh, but we want to put a lot of resources into the minions that are actually doing the work, but they they don't need to be around for very long because we just put out an episode a week. So you yeah. have a sort of like a big-eyed, tiny, uh, scout-like imp figure. Right. Who is very commanding. Yeah. And, and he some raises of these huge, really dumb work beasts. Work beasts that yeah. do all the work and then That's he right. kills them. Yep. Very disturbing. So they, he does kill them. They actually, <laughs> they ask to be killed. When, when they're done. They, ret- they return to the <laughs> summoner and they kneel and they're like, my purpose is served. That's exactly right. Yep. We need some fan art of this. <laughs> or a comic. <laughs> this is so good. Weird. Uh, but yeah, but part of this was was practice for preparing for the cool future stuff we want to do in the studio for like multiplayer and other kinds of things that we want to make sure we can, we have the technical proficiency to do because a lot of that just requires being able to create a system that adapts to the computational demand that's put on it. So when it comes to something like multiplayer, like if you look at Steam charts where you look at the daily usage by users, it fluctuates like 2x over the day, right? And if you think about the computational resources needed to do that, you don't want to just have a spare twice as much resources you're paying for because right. that's crazy expensive. Yeah. And so you'd want to be able to, to basically create and destroy um, computational resources. Well, and especially around mm-hmm. things like the launch of a game. Yeah, right. You know, if you have it's gonna need to be 10x higher than maybe three weeks later. Yeah. Well, yeah. this kind of reminds me of uh you guys remember Wildstar? Remember that game? Yeah. Remember that game? I think game? I've heard remember of it. that game, Wildstar? Yeah. yeah. You know that game? Yeah, it's good. So Wildstar came out in 2015, I think. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. 14, 15 foot foot something there. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And uh it went gangbusters in its first couple weeks it didn't go gang beasts though no gang beasts went gang beasts mm-hmm. wildstar went gangbusters right and uh it's an mmo that has isolated server communities as many mmos do and it faced the same kind of a problem actually warhammer online had this same mm-hmm. problem basically they did a great job marketing it uh but they didn't have the infrastructure to support the player base mm-hmm. and so then you end up with this weird problem where the highest demand you're you're gonna have for your game is usually around launch time because that's when people tend to like if they've been really looking forward to it for years they'll take work off right you know and like everybody's yep, taking that yeah, everybody's everybody's taking vacations like cashing in on their vacation days and stuff to all play your game at the same time which normally doesn't that happen happens. any other time right it's just that like five day period around launch and so with it with an mmo you end up with with millions of people jumping into this game uh, they have to wait in line. They can't play it. They're all pissed off, you know? And so then they start, like, they still want to play. So they'll move to, like, less populated servers and start playing characters there, but with the intent of moving back to a higher populated mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So then they end up, like, making extra characters all over the place. Uh, and so then usually what happens is the company who is launching the game, they'll they'll spin up new servers. Yeah. But on an MMO, those servers tend to be more permanent. Right? right, it's like they make a new yeah. server community to try to spread the players out, but then once that frenzy of activity dies down, then most of the servers are now ghost towns right. mm-hmm. because people go back to work and you don't have everybody trying to play at the same time, and so then uh, you have a backfire 
where the because there's just so few people on those servers, and MMO usually requires lots of players mm-hmm. for it, you'd actually engage with the content. Mm-hmm. There's so few people, people can't really play the game. They get bored of it, they quit, and then eventually it just kind of like trickles off, and then you have like one server left with people on it, which is actually what happened in that case. Mm-hmm. Also, with tribes probably right. Tribes was, was tribe server based too, or is it? No, nah, it was just a matchmaking okay. problem. But also, they com- also they compartmentalize the players it. into into. First two hours of gameplay and literally everybody else. <laughs> so uh, that was their bad, bad stratification. But, but yeah, so I mean, this is, this is actually, this is a problem that um, is not easily solved. No. Is, no, really is not. creating resources that kind of handle these big spikes and dips of, yeah. of players and stuff like that. So, and even companies that spend seven years making their games don't have a legit strategy to deal with this kind of thing. And then it, mm-hmm. it crushes their games. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we got to make sure that we've at least thought about it. We got to practice. I got to practice my robomancy. Yeah, we yeah. need, we just need more and more armies of robots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's one last little bit of news, which is uh, we, we talked to fat bard today about getting the size of the podcast down. Yeah. Because Apparently it's huge. we realized it's like 150 megabytes or something for a one hour podcast, which is probably th- Three times what it at least four times least three or four what times what else has. It's bigger than Crashlands. Yeah, yes, Crashlands. Is, it's like three times bigger than Crashlands. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna try to get that uh, down. And we also have a question from the community about the podcast mm. from Teal. Teal says the podcast is great entertainment uh, plus a huge life skills value add. Thanks, Teal. Uh, <laughs> have you guys considered a Patreon as a way of monetizing the podcast? I donate. We have, and then we'd have to do more things. Yeah, the question is, can we can we do that, and then also not have to actually do anything else? I'd I'd be down for doing a Patreon because, like, you know how a lot of times with Patreons or Kickstarters or whatever, they always have like these tiers, yeah. you know, tiers of backer, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh yeah, like if you do this and you get exclusive yeah. backer content or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be down for doing a, a Patreon if we just said. You could just give us money if you if you want. Right. The Does end. it have to be in tiers? Like, can people just to be. put you whatever can. number they want in? Mm-hmm. People could, okay. but usually, usually there's rewards based on tiers. I see. You know? So this is a difficulty with is that we're already making the content, so it's like in order to actually get paid for it, now you need to make more content. More content. Which and we wouldn't get paid enough anyway with the Patreon to make up for the content we're already making. We might get sandwich money though. We might get sandwich. Money. Yeah. Well, the way I mean, the way it makes sense is also make more content. Exactly. Just to get too little money, money from Patreon to fund it. Right. So, yeah. So, so it has to be a reward-free Patreon. Well, well here's, here's how I see it. Like, this podcast is actually a big part of our sort of community community management, I guess. Where, like, we have our players, we have our, our fans and our people outreach. who are playing our games. And community yeah. outreach, yeah. 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 I guess we aren't really managing anything. No. Um, not, not at all. But, yeah, it's basically, <laughs> it's our way to, to keep a consistent uh, dialogue and visibility between ourselves and and our players. And that's something that we should be doing anyways. Yeah. Right. So that would be to me, like doing the, doing a Patreon for the podcast would be kind of like doing a Patreon for us to like post in the forums Mm. or to like be on discord. You know, it's like, it's something that we probably should be doing. I mean, I, I think I disagree because mostly because the, the other things that we're doing in those contexts, like posting on Discord and stuff, has so little value, we might as well not do it sure. to, like, everybody, right? Because it's, like, little one-off things. It's usually the one person that gets buried, you know. Uh, but with this, we're, you know, creating a permanent archive, basically, of all this, of our history. We're spending lots of time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we staple something we want to do. blankets to the ceiling. Yes. It's something we want to do, but it's not at all anything that we should do or need to do. We talk um, about But this. it's also not something that we necessarily are, like, trying to get paid for it would just be also nice it'd be nice to get paid for it but (laughs) you know but i mean it's you know it's our our wheelhouse is is making robots and games and And that that stuff funds our our extracurriculars i think we we do get paid for it in in a very particular sense which is like you know we're able to put on the shenanigans jam and have 150 people show up yep my guess is that a big portion of them come from the podcast more so than any other place but yeah um and so there, there is a lot of payback for it in that regard, which is not so much payback, but rather the ability to do even cooler things that also mm-hmm. happen to be free in this context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, is, which is really to say, like, if we were to do something like a Patreon or something, it would purely have to be just like, we're going to keep doing this. Donate if you want to. I think this is, that's, the, that's the way and we've that's always it. done it, where it's like, well, I'm going to I'm going to do this. Yeah. If you would like to join along, you're welcome to. Right. But your your joining has no impact on whether or not I'm going to. We're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think the main thing is like, I don't, and maybe maybe if we get more 
more reach with by putting our stuff up on YouTube and that sort of thing. So we have a bigger a bigger base. Uh, but mostly, I don't want to. I wouldn't want a sad Patreon because it's not even yeah. about like. Oh, like, I hate that shit. Yeah, it's not even about making money. But if we put a Patreon up and it's bringing in you know five bucks a month, it's just. It well, I feel like this feel is actually sad. a weird. This is a weird problem, and it kind of makes me think back on like on how some information is actually bad to have. Right. Where like if. You know, back back when you could only buy a video game at like a retail store and the internet wasn't really a thing mm-hmm. that you could get at very easily, mm-hmm. then you would just go there and you'd look at the box and you'd be like, I like this. And you would buy it. But you wouldn't you wouldn't go and look at four forty different reviews mm-hmm. or be like, Oh, this only has two players or mm-hmm. two people reviewed it on Steam or something. You're just like, whatever, I'm making an independent You're judgment. You're more blind. Yeah. yeah, a little more blind. You're so less you just, reliant on social proof. Exactly, yeah. And so so the fact that there's so much social proof available means you see a Patreon, you see somebody with like six backers, you know, mm-hmm. and they're making like $9 a month or whatever mm-hmm. for like making their Twitch stream or whatever it is. Yep. Um, and then you just kind of go, maybe there's a reason, Yeah. Yep. right? But, the, but that's the thing is there isn't necessarily because social proof is a positive feedback loop. So you have to, and it requires a threshold well, exactly, before it can yeah. build on it. Well, I think the more dangerous thing is that then the creator looks at it and they're like, maybe there's no reason. Yeah, maybe this isn't worth doing. Yeah. <laughs> if this podcast is only worth $3 a month. Yeah. That, then <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, because now, now you're slapping a, a dollar value yeah. onto the thing. Yeah. Because you know? so right, now you're just like the people who listen to this think it's only worth yeah. $3 collectively across all of them. Exactly. So, so no. it's kind of a weird. I'm good. I'll pass. It's kind of a weird thing. <laughs> I'll enjoy my yeah. bliss. Yeah. All right. So let's get on to some questions. These questions come from the community at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you want to get your question on future episodes, get on over there and ask us some questions. But make sure it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, we're, we answer we're not going to answer it. So all right. just wasting bits. So we got a couple questions about art. Oh, okay. And, and we had a we had, we had some conversation we yesterday. Very good. Very good. And this actually speaks right to that, which mm. is interesting. So uh, the first question comes from. Wandering monster, not wandering, wandering. It's just a very sort of curious monster Mm -hmm. who's just sort of, you know, just just wondering what's going on. (laughs) Wandering monster says, when doing anything creative, I often feel aware of how flawed my output is. This can cause so much stress and fear that I stop doing the thing altogether. Have you ever experienced something similar? And if so, how did you cope with it? (laughs) You mean like (laughs) every day? Yeah. (laughs) Every time I look at a new game that came out, this new game called uh, Dead Cells came out. It's a roguelike Metroidvania. Is that C E L L S or S E L L? Okay. Yeah. So you're um, not like a. Yeah, not Cells. cells. <laughs> okay. Um, and that thing is so beautiful. And to me, it came out of nowhere. Cause like I actually, basically every day, I take a look at all the all of the uh, larger gaming sites just to sort of see what's going on, as well as games industry stuff. Haven't seen this thing, just appeared. And I was like, holy fuck, this is so beautiful. And then I was looking at my own stuff. And I was like, I am terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And that happens basically every day. So I think what it is like that, you know, I don't think for any, for any really good, um, for any really good artist, I don't think that ever really goes away so much as you start working around it or just use it as a, as a point of, of growth. So in the case of dead cells, their color work is really good and their animations in particular are fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if they're actually, it looks pixel art, pixel art. But I'm not sure if what's actually happening is that it's 3D models. Like the the animations are so fluid for every single one of those creatures, then that they look it looks like maybe they're actually 3D models. I have no idea. I might be lying, but <laughs> they look incredible. And um, and so it's kind of it's kind of taking apart what it is about that thing that looks good versus your own stuff. And then if there's a basically a technical problem in the way in the case of games, because oftentimes that is you know you don't necessarily have infinite texture space to do stuff, and you want to. Um, conserve on various things, especially if you're going on mobile in terms of resources. So you have to ask yourself the question why it might be the case that that's the way it is. Um, and then in the case of just just like looking at your stuff and being like, this is garbage. Um, yeah, we, we had this really hilarious conversation yesterday. Yeah, well, I think there's a, you, there's a really hard thing to do. And unfortunately, I don't think there's like a good, I don't think there's like a good piece of advice on how to do this thing. Mm-mm. But maybe just knowing why it's a problem helps, which is... Uh, if you are trying to improve your skills and you're, especially like when you're just starting out, you are making garbage, right? Mm-hmm. Like at the very beginning, the stuff you're making just sucks. And if your focus is on the utility of the thing, meaning I'm making this thing for a very particular reason, like I'm, I'm making game assets, I'm writing a book that I'm going to publish mm-hmm. or whatever, then it, you're always going to be disappointed 
because at the beginning you actually can't make stuff that's actually useful. Well, I mean, you might also just be perennially disappointed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. Kind of where I am. (laughs) And so, so uh, Sam and I were talking about this yesterday and about this interesting uh, point, which is most artists who are skilled artists have always been artists. Because then they started doing art when they were a kid. And as a kid, the art was sort of like a, an outlet for them to relieve boredom or stress or whatever. And it, it wasn't for a particular, it was, they weren't creating products for other people's right. consumption. They just sort of fell in love with the process of drawing pictures and doodling and whatever. And over the years of making things for no reason, they developed the capacity to develop things for a reason, Right. And so uh, starting a new skill later in life is much harder to do because you do tend, as an adult, you tend to focus on the, the practicality of things. Yeah. Like you focus on the utility of, of whether you can actually sell a thing or publish it or, you know, whatever. Um, and there's always going to be that huge gap between where you are and where you're trying to be. And so I think the big question is like, how do you, how do you sort of get back into that mindset that like a kid has? Where you don't give a shit about the usefulness of the thing you're making and you just, and just sort of appreciating that you just enjoyed doing it and you want to just do it. And then recognizing that over time, you'll, you'll just be good at it right. later. Well, I think right? it's, it basically comes down to cultivating a sense of both play and stubbornness, right? Which is to say, I'm just going to keep doing this. Until it gets good. Well, and, and also, curiosity, right? Yeah, that's what the concept. Yeah, the consequence of just what happens if I do this, right. and why didn't this work? Right. When I and did. the reason this that we were talking about this yesterday is because because I've only ever done art in a utility purpose, and I've talked to a lot of other artists in the industry. And in fact, when we did, went to this, uh, uh, we went to GDC and two years ago. Um, there's an artist sketch meetup, and I wanted to go meet with other artists, but I don't have a sketchbook. I literally, literally don't never sketch. <laughs> I don't because do why concepts. would you sketch? Because you can't put a sketch into a video game. Exactly. And yeah. so <laughs> all of my art is because I, I just had three games to show them. I had Flop Rocket. Is that all you had? On the phone. Yeah. And a fan who ran across. Oh, yeah. Well, that the- happened later. <laughs> but yeah, so. so I, just, I just like the way you said it, though. All I had was three games that I published well, so full of my art. Of my art. Is, it, yeah. so, is it since I've only ever done it for utility, then I, I basically, I have a hard time uh, practicing for the sake of practice. Sure, yeah. And that's just, a, that's just a, a true fact for me at this point that I honestly don't quite know how to make the jump over to just, like, just, just drawing for funsies because it's just not a thing that I do. I don't know. That's, uh, yeah, I don't know. We got into this really deep discussion yesterday about it because I was like, do I do anything for fun? What, <laughs> do I love anything? I don't understand. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you, as you get, I think this is, this is also a reason why people tend to get locked in. Like as they get, as they get older and older, you know, it's really easy to look at people in their, you know, forties, fifties, sixties and be like, how come they aren't picking up any new skills? You know, Mm -hmm. like they kind of, they did their thing and they're like up until they're maybe early thirties, got into their career trajectory and then sort of stop exploring the world. Like this is a thing that, that most people tend to do. But I think it's just because uh, the cost of of doing anything goes up as you get more responsibilities in life. Because doing one thing means you're not doing all these other things. Well, you're but you're also missing the other half of the equation. Um, which so there's that book that Adam mentioned called uh, "Algorithms to Live By," which I've been reading the last couple of weeks, and uh, they talk about this exact problem, which is the explore and exploit problem. So you can either go explore a new skill or whatever else, or you can use whatever skills you have. Right? You can only do one at a time because you're a person. Because time. Because time. And so the interesting thing is that as you as you get older or or um, perhaps deeper into a career or whatever else, the reality is that the the second part of the measurement there is not just that it's a higher cost sort of opportunity cost to acquire a new skill, but also that the interval uh, by which you have to exploit that skill is shrinking. For example, if you pick up a skill when you're 50 and it takes you until you're 55 to actually be like good at it, you might die, right? Like that's you're, <laughs> you're getting to a point where like. There's there's less life left on an interval level, and you have to throw that into the equation, which is why young people are just so done with their time, right? That's the whole joke. Because they like, just feel like they got infinite Because you have infinite time yeah. as a teenager. But um, that also presumes that, uh, that the point of doing a thing is to be good at it. Yeah, well, that, that's what I'm saying is like, as as you get as you get older in life, you have more costs. You got to pay your mortgage. You got to take care of the kids, you know, whatever right. it is. Um, you also hopefully have more resources. Well, you, sometimes. Sometimes you do. Sometimes Certainly you, more than when you were a kid. Yeah. Well, they well, often well, say, you, but, well, you don't tend to have is time. Yeah. So they yeah. often say later in your life, you are, you're money rich and time poor. And yeah. when you're young, you're money poor and time rich. Right? Yeah. 
And, uh, and so having all these things that you have to take care of means that you generally will tend to focus on the output of the thing, mm-hmm. not the process. Right. So like if you spend four years just writing, just writing short stories and stuff for three hours a night, um, and then finally in year four, one of them gets published and you get 150 bucks, you know, uh, because you finally got good enough. Right. Then like, yeah, that's, that's starts to become worth it eventually. Um, but what if you took that time instead and just like worked extra hours and got that money? Yeah, right? it, can't be, it can't be about <laughs> or what money. if you didn't, well, that's, that's what I'm saying yeah, is it, right. if you becomes, didn't value it in that way, it's yeah. like the podcast. It's like, yeah. so th- as you get older, things tend to become more about meeting your, your life's needs, saving for your retirement, right. putting food on the table, whatever. And when you're young, those needs, you know, you don't think about them so much. So well, I think it's an interesting thing though is with, so in, in, in my particular case with the art, um, you know, I have a, basically a few hours every evening that I sort of give to whatever. And usually that tends to be my defaults of either reading or writing stuff. And I've just had a hell of a time trying to actually switch that to just sketching, for example, or just drawing stuff, generally speaking. Um, and I think, I do think there is that, that big part of it, which is that if it's not for a particular thing, because of the way that I've sort of grown up doing art, in a way, in the last five years, um, that that's, it's very, it's a very deep, it's a deep groove that I'm in as far as how, how I do the art and what the art is for or whatever else. And so it's a process of working out of that, that I'm not, I'm not super clear on how to go about, but I guess we'll find out know. in the next couple of while. Cause well, we, we ended up having a good conversation about it. And I think the best part came, uh, where sure said, you know, you got, you got a lot of art to give and I enjoy it a bunch. So why don't you give us more art? Could be so selfish. And then Seth looked over and he goes, Quit being selfish, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and so it became a bit of a joke. And so Tifa drew these two uh, post-its that are now on my monitor, one of which is me like holding back this bag of art like a hoarding dragon and hissing. And then the other one is being Seth like, No, at I don't me. wanna. I don't wanna give it out. <laughs> the other was Seth being like, Quit being selfish, you baby. <laughs> So I think that's helping. I feel different. Yeah. A bit of a turning point yesterday. It's just a bit of a, it's a bit of a mental shift. It's weird. Well, so this, so this comes to the next question, which is from Sin Linux, who does do art and occasionally posts art into Mm -hmm. our community discord at bit.ly slash BS discord. Sin Linux says, uh, would you guys do an artathon sometime? I am a small digital artist and I faff about drawing stuff. I've thrown a few on the discord from time to time. And I'd love to see others hands in drawing or art of all kinds. What does faff? So there's a bit of a, of a, of a lack of punctuation in there. So I kind of got lost. Gotcha. But I think you want to do an artathon. Well, I guess the question for me always comes down to what for, for a game. (laughs) So, but but this comes back to the last question, which is for fun. Because to draw with a group of people. Well, so, <laughs> well, so, I mean, it's like a jam day, right? It is like a jam Because a jam day, like, yeah, it's about getting some shit done. But it's mostly about being with a bunch of people who are all getting shit done. Right. So that you get that, you just feed on that energy. Mm-hmm. You know, the same deal. Maybe, maybe an artathon would you could orchestrate that as being the first time that you've drawn a thing just for the sake of drawing a thing. Mm. Do I have to throw it away afterward? Is that like the sort of the cleanse? Yeah, we'll do it. We'll print it off. We'll print it off. Then we'll put it in the suggestion box, (laughs) which is our shredder. That's our office shredder. Yeah. All right. So burn its remnants. So let's just think about about that. So next question comes uh, from Doofeldorf. Doofeldorf says, hi, any advice on taking the plunge and going from boring worker man to full-time game dev? Mm. Thanks. I think there's a lot of context here that I don't know. Hard to say. Well, all right. So let's, let's, let's bake this into the next question, Mm. which is from Kiul. Kiul says, what advice do you have for someone who wants to be a game developer full time, but can't afford to, can't afford to quit his job to do it? Mm. This is is a bit more info to work with. Yeah, it's better. So, so I think, uh, and, and this is something we, we talk about frequently, but the idea of sandwich money is huge. So going from making $0 at the thing that you love to do to making a dollar at the thing you love to do is basically the biggest jump. It's sort of like having a game that's pay up front versus free to play. You know, that's a huge, that's a huge gap. Yeah. Right. And the reality is that, and I think this report just came out. Um, there's a uh, guy who wrote about it in Gama Sutra who said that the, in the last month, I think all the games that launched, I think 75% of them made zero or less dollars. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. On Steam. On Steam. Which well, is probably better than on mobile. Not zero oh, it's less. Way it was, it was at least zero dollars, meaning there's oh, so right. little data 
that right. that you can't even Probably say. Not, yeah, I think I think it's very hard to actually just to make straight zero dollars on Steam. Unlike on mobile, where it is very easy right. to make. So the zero. so the reality is that if you make ten dollars on one of your games, you're above the median. You're above the median. Very impressive. And then it becomes no, a question. That's not quite right because I'm pretty sure. Like, oh yeah, that's true. You the to, range on Steam is like they can't tell the difference between zero and like five thousand dollars. Okay, so if you yeah. made five thousand, <laughs> so no, I think the whole point is significantly higher. That, but the reality is, we know from from mobile is that most games make no money. Yeah, absolutely. they actually make no money. Yeah, and so I think given how flooded uh, Steam is getting these days, it's probably not unlikely that there's a good contingent of those games that actually do make zero dollars. Yeah, well, I, th- I think this is actually... So significant that who gets th- this is actually... There. I've been thinking about this weird problem that games have, um, which I assume is probably also a problem in, in now in books and move or in uh, books and music, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, the self-publishing concept, mm-hmm. has, has made... has created this weird ecosystem. So I was reading uh, about the author, uh, Jim Butcher, mm-hmm. who is a very prolific author and very successful. He's, you know, this is his career. And... Uh, on his website, he has a little backstory about how he got started. And he was always writing stories and stuff. And then when he was 19, he was like, I'm going to write a book. And he wrote a book and it was garbage. So he wrote a whole book and then just threw it away. And then he wrote another whole book, showed that to some people because he was proud of it. And they were all like, no. Bad. And they threw that away too. <laughs> he wrote another one, showed it to some more people. And some a couple people were like, I kind of see where you're going with this, but it's pretty terrible. So he threw that mm-hmm. away. Like six books later, he finally has a book that he believes is really good. And and other people believe it, too. Some other people believe it, okay. too. That's the uh, important part. Yep. And then he he starts sending it to publishers. He sends it to, like, 20-something different publishers. Every single one of them is like, nah, 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 nah. Like, this is not, this is not what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until finally he actually started, he started going to different conventions to meet with publishers face to face it would like to their to their agents or whoever you know and mm. and just like talk to them about his books and then finally one of them was like sure send it over and so then he did and then finally he got his first book published right it's like that's what that's what it was like to publish a book or a game or to get like your music onto a record mm-hmm. label or you know whatever um and now that's just not the case anymore right and so, so when it comes to like making these early things, like if, so if you think about if, if this guy, instead of throwing his first book away, published it, mm-hmm. and then instead of throwing his second book away, published it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so he would have published like 10 just utter pieces of garbage before making something that's actually decent, mm-hmm. which, you know, kind of stands like in the, like that makes sense statistically. If you think like 90% of things on steam or mobile or whatever, basically make no money. Yeah. Right. And it's because there's so many people that are still like learning what they're doing, but, but they publish their stuff. Yeah. 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 They publish their stuff because they can, uh, not, and they don't just throw it away because nobody will take it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, and I think because we started there in the same spot, and I think there's yeah. there's a huge value to actually because you don't need to have a hit to be able to sort of see where where things are going and to learn a bunch and turn stuff around. So even if even if his first book had literally like three people bought it, yeah. for example, if it was, it was kind of like our Gerblins, it's like Gerblins, you know? right? Mm-hmm. So again, you're making sandwich money, which is you make enough money to buy yourself a sandwich first, like once a week, and then every day. Um, through your your game projects, then all it is is just a question of scale at that point. So it's learning enough and getting good enough at the thing you already know how to do and you can get paid for a tiny bit to get paid a lot more for it. And I think the whole question of, you know, how to how to take the plunge from working full-time to uh, and getting paid for it and to working full-time and not getting paid for it has, has more to do with basically background finances and stuff then that's basically anything 100% else. Of, well, yeah. it's, it's, it's that. And then how intelligently you then go about it once you, once you quit, because do you have a mentor, for example? Yeah. And if we if didn't, just, that would have helped a shit right. right. But if you, but if you just pill around and try to make your dream game. So if you quit your job and try to make your dream game, you're guaranteed to fail. Mm-hmm. That's the only path that is available to you. Right. Uh, but if you quit and then say, all right, I'm going to, I'm just going to try to make something as an experiment, get something that is, I think is good enough that people would be willing to give me some money for it. That's my goal. That's, that's the end of my goal. Just good enough to get people to pay me for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And get that out as fast as I can, because you learn a whole bunch of stuff. You learn how, how long it takes to actually do it. You learn how to spin up a marketing campaign. You learn a whole bunch of stuff and you won't get much out of it, but you should get something and you should be able to learn so that you can now do better the next time. And so if you approach it in that kind of, in that kind of way, then you'll be able to sort of take 
incremental, you'll make incremental progress that you can measure. You'll be able to see how that lines up with your runway that you've built for yourself before you even go and do it. And, uh, and you can actually just make good decisions the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then it's not even about risk. It's just give yourself a runway, dive in and be smart about it. Yep. So how do you, well, I guess here's, here's a follow-up to that. Cause this, this person asked, you know, how do you, how do you work toward being, being a game developer, but you can't afford to quit your job to do it because not being able to afford to quit your job can come in multiple dimensions. Mm-hmm. Like one might be the money, right? And the other may be related to time where like, for example, what if you, what if you work a full-time job and then you also like take care of a family in the evening, mm-hmm. you know? So what would you do in that scenario? You got to start, basically you, you got to collect a ring of supporters who are willing to essentially sacrifice on your behalf mm-hmm. for some period of time. That is very clear cut. So no one feels weird about it. And then you just go for it. So uh, a friend of ours does actually write stories and books. And it's been his goal since I think a year and a half or two ago. And he's got two kids, mortgage, works a normal job. And the way he described it was he, you know, he just sat down with his, with his, wife and his kids. And he said, this is the thing I really want to do. And I want to figure out how to get the time to do it. And I need like an hour and a half a day. So like, I'm willing to get up early or whatever else, but I'm going to do it. I got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I need, I need just a little bit of, I need a little bit of uh, give from, from this community, the support community. So the thing is, so it's really about, it's about viewing the family as a team that supports each other, which is exactly how you should be. Not antagonistically. Cause if it's like, Oh, I just need my time to make my games, you know, whatever, then, then you're not doing it right. So Mm, um, yes. That's and good. he, I think he, he was just one of the, uh, writers of the future. So he, he won a big award and he's kind of, he's been kicking it for the last while now. Mm-hmm. Finally got some stories to actually get paid for and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Heck yeah. Cool. So you just got to think about it. Get some, get some backers. Start of a Patreon. You know? <laughs> uh, but, but don't though, because it's not going to go well. Don't it'll just be upsetting. That. Yeah. Yeah. Starting with Patreon and being like, I would like to. Make video games. Yeah. That's not going to fly. All right. So uh, next question comes from Foolish Mortal, hmm. who says, hey, guys, here's an issue I've been thinking about for my next game. Would you rather have one customizable character, like in Skyrim, or multiple pre-made characters for players to choose from, like in Overwatch? Or Overwatch. Or Diablo, yeah. Uh, or Diablo is more of like a combination, right? You've got pre-made characters that you can then customize further. As um, in just choose their gender? Like that's the only option. Isn't oh, it? I'm thinking about Diablo 2. Okay. Yeah. I was you mean, you're talking I'm talking about like what they do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, assume assume the work to make either option is the same. That is a faulty <laughs> assumption. <laughs> but is, I yeah. will. But let's just assume. So, so assuming that. that somehow through... through some bizarre some sort mechanism. Of robomancy, perhaps. Robomancy. Probably some army of robots has made it so that you could either have characters that are pre built and are not customizable and just are what they are, or characters you can customize. Mm-hmm. So in Skyrim, you've got, you just are a person, right? And then, or, or you're a lizard person or a cat person or. Sonic the Hedgehog or whatever. Yeah, right. And then whatever you are capable of is also completely up to you. Mm-hmm. And so you just, you work your way through the story. Um, I think we are confounding two parts here because one yeah, is appearance about- and one is functionality. Right. Is it fair to confound those? No. I don't think it is. Not at all. I think wait, the question's about appearance primarily, isn't it? Uh, That's right. When I think about character customization up front, it's only appearance based yeah. generally. Well, we'll, I, we'll start I there. only think, yeah, whenever I think about character customization, I only think about what it does. Okay, we should think of that then as two separate questions. Yeah. So, so from a from an appearance standpoint, I think you gotta, you gotta answer the question of what your game is trying to do. So uh, games allow you to customize your character, let your players essentially fall in love with themselves, right? Or express themselves. Or express themselves. Games that have uh, characters that are things of their own, let players essentially uh, empathize with and in a sense become fans of and use those characters as, uh, you know, more of a mentor sort of things. So in the case of, like in my, my case, I think my books actually probably easiest example. Um, there are certain heroes from certain books that if I'm in a, a particular position, I'm like, what would that guy do? You know, what would Brian Boitano do? Well, what, what, what would you right now? <laughs> Yeah, what would Vin from uh, the woman from uh, the Mistborn series do in this scenario? Besides murder everybody very quickly, um, and I think there's there's a lot of power to be gained from providing your your players with essentially a, an idol of sorts to to become through your game, and then hopefully, if it's done really really well, to take out of your game into the world. 
So, Wait, so is this is this that, yeah? And is this advocating for character customization or for a pre-made character? Pre-made character. Yeah. So well, that's the so those those are the two sides. So right. one is for for. Well, I mean, I actually disagree that that a like a pre-made character is about sort of like hero thing because I'm thinking whenever because I've actually never because I was interested that you said that that now you like look at circumstances you're like what would some character that I've like mm-hmm. experienced through the eyes of you know do I've literally never had that happen in my entire life. And <laughs> what would Gordon Freeman do? Be really quiet. He would crowbar. quietly <laughs> stare at people and then kill everything. Uh, but for me, it's it's more about it, it's typically about ex, you know character exploration. When mm. when you're when you're reading like a, something with depth of any kind of depth at all, then it's usually, it's always the character is flawed in some way. Otherwise, it's boring as fuck, right? If all they do is the right thing all the time and mm-hmm. they're just amazing and whatever, then who who cares? It's not interesting. But uh, it's that exploration of their flaws and how they fuck up and their relationships with their people, and it's and so it's basically empathizing with and experiencing life through somebody else who's experiencing things that are just very different from what you're experiencing. Right. So that's presuming the game is a story. Right. So I'm also presuming that this is more of like a kickoff sort of thing where it's like, you are this character now. And that's right. that. Um, so there's a game called Dungeon Souls on PC that uses the pre-made characters basically with no story whatsoever. So then all of them have different abilities and that sort of thing. Uh, and you kind of pick the one that fits your your play style and you unlock other ones. So you can kind of, you, I mean, you can, you basically commoditize the characters in, in a sense if you go the pre-made path because you can unlock new characters depending on the game type, um, which allows more replayability. If you're doing customization, um, you get more of that player expression. You get the players get to put themselves in the game, uh, which is, which is huge. But I think the question kind of comes down to what other aspects of the game are there? Because if there's multiplayer, doing character customization is phenomenal. Yeah. Because people but I also want think to be if you've got the right kind of pre-made characters, there's no added value in having customizable. There may not be. Because if if a character is like clearly like the super jacked masculine man who is white or something, right? Mm -hmm. Then it becomes actually difficult for a lot of people to like cast themselves there because everything about that character is like being exactly that as a a person. But if you're playing as like an alien or some, you know, something that's got less obviously meant to be a specific kind of person, Mm -hmm. Then anybody can kind of cast themselves in that role without having to like stumble past any. This is why Master Chief wears a helmet. Yeah, or Mm -hmm. why or why Flux does. Yeah, or why all of our characters are generally weird aliens. Yeah, because that allows somebody. Because actually, they're 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 different from everybody, which allows actually everybody to be that. Everybody to equally not be able to relate. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But as a consequence, it actually becomes extremely relatable. Yeah. Uh, And I think if you have if you have that kind of an approach to making static defined characters and I don't I don't actually think that a player loses the ability to empathize with and sort of be that player well my so what I like is the combination approach where you basically have uh, certain aspects of a character that are sort of predefined and then the character also has customization going beyond so I think about being able to like choose your your race in uh, like World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. right? So like the goblins have this personality to them that the like the undead have a completely different sort of Just backstory, vibe, yeah. vibe everything. Um, and then, you know, so that's kind of like, that's a fixed aspect of that character, right? So being a goblin versus a tauren versus an undead versus a night elf or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you can like change its face and like change the, change the like tint of its skin and stuff like that. Um, give it a name. And then when you go out in the world, like you've got different like armor that you, put on, you know, to make yourself look different, but still at the core, uh, you do have this sort of like identity as, as relating to some kind of like the core group that that character belongs to. Um, so it's the, I, I view that as kind of like a mixture, you know, cause like I always loved playing as a goblin cause they just blow everything up. Yeah. The interesting thing about that in the, in the MMO sense is that there's, there's certain, uh, sort of a, characters or races that I identify more with, but then that don't let me play the class that I identify yes. with. Yes, yeah. Because they're like, oh, trolls can't be warlocks or whatever it was, like, whatever it used to be. Racists. I'm like, but I, that's that's what I that's want. That's the one I want, yeah. <laughs> that's the combo yeah, this was actually, This was a big bummer for me because I loved the monk. I always loved the monk classes mm-hmm. because they're always just so weird. Punching stuff with your hands and, and throwing beer bo- or is, beer barrels at stuff. Yeah, yeah. The especially, yeah, the, the monks in, uh, in WoW, they have like, they yeah, they have like keg focused abilities. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not a, like a beer person, but it's just hilarious. Well, like this, your, this actually, your move is like covering everybody in beer <laughs> and then you set them on fire. Well, this is my biggest, <laughs> yeah, this is my biggest letdown actually in Skyrim is that there is no unarmed combat tree naturally in the game. There's a mod now that does it, but you couldn't, you couldn't specialize. You want to punch a dragon. Yeah. I just want to punch everything in the face. <laughs> Whenever I play Fallout, that's how I play Fallout. I want to, I just want to punch everything. Yeah. It's hilarious. I, think, I feel like they knew that it would just be too awesome. They're like, we can't, we can't, we can't let this But the modders did, so you can't do it. 
It was yeah. fun. I did, I did do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, even even bigger is like there's that the cat people that you can be. Yeah, you got they, claws. They have an unarmed specialty, mm -hmm. but then there's no actual abilities in the game. Yeah, there's no way use. to get more damage. So you right. start out good, and then you just get progressively worse yeah. as you go through the game. So <laughs> Dumb. that that mm. kind of sucks. Um, so it depends right. on context, I guess, is the answer. Which of yeah. course is always our answer stuff. Yeah. But, 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 I also, but I also think importantly, it's not a, it's not binary, right? right? Like it's not like either you've got pre-built characters or you have fully customizable characters. There can be aspects of them that are pre-made. Yeah. And stuff. As like always, that. just always just ask the question: What's why? What's yeah. this for? Why? What are characters? Do we even need characters? Yeah. What if we just did? Can we not? <laughs> what if What if you played as the game? Yeah. You know, and yeah. then like I don't know what mess. else happens after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then characters come in, and they are pre-made, but you aren't them, so you don't care. Right. What if you're the UI? Actually, really, in all games, you are the UI. That's true. You know? That's right. Deep stuff, Pretty Weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're the, you're the you part of, of UI. All right, so we got uh, one more question from Lethalore, who says, Can Fat Bard drop his magic during this question so that we can hear how it sounds before he waves the magic wand? Oh, okay. So this is... So I want to do two interpretations of this question. So the first one is where Fat Bard takes all of the sound magic that he does away. Yeah. So let's say like right now, hopefully he gets the memo. Yeah. And then starts and then takes away all the all the stuff. So what you will hear is is our actual our true our true voices. voices. Our true voices uh -huh. and the true soundscape in this room right now. Yeah. So let it, <laughs> let that sit in for a moment here, and then and then let's uh, let's transition over to. What uh, when when Fat Bard punches it up to the maximum takes level? The, yeah, it takes it to the max where Wait. there's you know Tyrannosaurus Rexes explosions. explosions. Well, but here's the, here's the interesting thing: is those two things are the same? You know, Tyrannosaurus and explosions. As yeah. in, as in like when 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 Fat Bard works his magic, he's taking away all the Tyrannosaurus sounds that we are normally having to talk over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then when he puts the magic in, it would just be basically adding that stuff back yeah, in. Right, so it's kind true. of a weird, we're in the kind of a weird U-shaped part of the graph. All I know is that when we went over and sang our Christmas carol. <laughs> and then. <laughs> that was weird. And then Patrick grabbed the notes, the individual notes that everybody had sang and moved them to put them in the right spot since we we're all off pitch. And it was one of the most magical things I've ever seen. Yeah. So like, basically so if you had, if you had sung like bell, then he would like click it like, on the computer Bruh. and the computer would go <laughs> bell, and then he would just move it back. And then it would land where he wanted. Oh, yeah. And then, mm -hmm. perfect. then it the sounded good. Like yeah, more we, like manotune, manual tune, manual, manual tune. tune. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty hilarious too because he gets he gets all like huffy about this stuff, and he's like, "This like this is ruining the music industry. Like nobody knows how to actually sing. You know, like you get these people coming in here thinking they're so great. Like, yeah, they actually can make a really good sounding album, but if you just put a mic in front of them and had them oh, sing, like they they can't do, mm -hmm. they can't do anything. And now I now I see now you'll hear the truth. That's also true podcast. about that's I mean that's true with game engines too right because like if you just gave me a computer with no software on it and you were like make a game mm -hmm. you know i couldn't just sit down and like move the bytes around and yeah we're like me without a game come out yeah, yeah. well i think i think yep. similarly you know if somebody just handed you a, like a lump of like slag and yeah. they said hey make a computer out of this yeah and then program yeah. stuff you know You're basically yeah. useless yeah you know? mm -hmm. so incredible yep we depend on our tools mm -hmm. you know and at a certain point you know you can lament it but at a certain point, you know, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> just go full T-Pain. Like, if you don't need to know how to sing, but you can still be a professional singer, that's, like pretty, pretty, deal. that's pretty good. There's an NPR Tiny Desk concert of, with T-Pain. He actually is a phenomenal singer. Yeah. Even though all the stuff is so like his, extremely like, his auto So his characteristic thing yeah. is auto-tuning himself, but really he can. He's really good. Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, that, that Tiny Desk thing just makes me think of the, the fake episodes on uh, on Park, Parks and Rec when they do the fake NPR where they just, oh, yeah. where they, just they, they make it so over the top and ridiculous that every time I hear the Tiny Desk series thing it just makes I'm like this can't even it doesn't sound real it sounds yeah. like a, it's made <laughs> like a parody of itself, of itself. Yeah. <laughs> so good all right so we have uh three things I want to I want to hit before we before we close for the day okay. that's a lot which is of we things. got a, we got a couple of uh sort of like shout outs which is pretty cool. Mm. So like people just kind of like, instead of asking us questions, they just like dunked compliments into our, mm. I just want to read a couple of shout outs. Okay. Sure. You know, end on a good note. Uh, so we got Econooks. Econooks says, Hey guys, your team is awesome. All of your games and podcasts are really amazing. Plus the perk system is really fun. 
Just, just wonderful work. Thanks. GG, Thanks. dudes. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Eknooks. Uh, we also got one from Nine Anguin, which is like a penguin, mm, that's funny. but with a nine. <laughs> nine Anguin. Nine Anguin says, <laughs> I open your email because they come from you, and I know they're going to make my day better. Oh. Yeah, unless they go to spam because we fucked up. Yeah, because that happened. does happen. <laughs> In which case, you will definitely not open that email, but nope. sorry about that. Uh, and then last one comes from Lethalore, who says, my daughter likes you guys' voices. She thinks you sound like surfer dudes. <laughs> That is all. <laughs> we do hail from the uh, from the waving fields of, of the surfer dude. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've, so we've been around. We've surfed the waves. down snowbanks. We know about uh, stuff. Uh, Although, wait, is this really a compliment? Because you said this was three compliments. I'm not hundred percent. Less certainly backhanded. He said that she likes her voices because we sound like surfer dudes. This small child has made me quite insecure. But again, I mean. We don't really sound like this, you know, because of Pat, because of Fat Bard. That's right. So, yeah, we sound totally different, actually. <laughs> yeah. Although, who knows? Maybe maybe Patrick he put on actually listen to that filter. part and won't even realize that this has happened. And so this whole time we'll just have sounded exactly the same. Who knows? Who knows? Or maybe that actually just is how it sounds. Deep dish. How deep? <laughs> well, all right. I think that's all we got for this week. <laughs> Uh, we would like to thank our producer Fat Bard uh, for for doing all of his wand wavy wand m- music audio magic, mm-hmm. and for making this episode smaller than mm-hmm. all the previous episodes. Hopefully, uh, we'd also like too much worse at the same time. Yeah, uh, we'd also like to thank the Beescotch Dev team for continuing to build stuff while we're in here hooting and hollering. Also, special thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. And, of course, we'd like to thank our listeners for coming back every week to listen to us ramble like a bunch of weirdos. And if you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can, as always, hop into our Discord server, which is at bit.ly slash bsdiscord, and say hello. And, uh, last but not least, we do not advertise this show, so we depend completely on word of mouth and good reviews for for our listenership to grow. So if you want to uh, help us out in that regard, then just tell literally everybody you know and then go over to iTunes or someplace and give us, you know, give us five stars. Take those nice things that you said and go also go put, put them, them in iTunes. that wherever that is. Mm-hmm. Get your daughter signed up for an account. Yeah. Get us some five star reviews. Yeah. Unless she probably has to be 13 or older. As long as she's over 13, have yeah. her put a comment in there. This is we sound like server dudes. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.